And Lord, as we gather together here this morning, we're very aware of you in this place. There's a, there's a sense in which with, with John Wesley 270 years ago, his heart was strangely warmed on that, that Wednesday night in May. There's a sense in which even though our feet are a little cold and our hands are a little cold, there's, there's a warmth in our heart because of you. You are here, we know you, we experience you in this place. And so I pray that as we pray now that we may be very aware of your touch on each of our lives and, and the lives of those we pray for and bring to you. We thank you for baby Peterson and for the new life you have given to Kerry and Sam and Johan and their family. We also remember those who are mourning uh, and have said to say goodbye to someone. But we thank you, Lord, that in our joys and in our sorrows, you are with us. And, and you are with us in everything in between. And so we bring before you those whom we love and care for and have a burden for. And ask you to touch them, to give them the life that they need, and to remind them that you never abandon or leave them. Remind us that you never leave or abandon us either, that we can know in this moment, in this place, that you touch us. that in our weakest moment, you are our strength. When we feel hopeless, you are our hope. In our sorrows, you are our comfort. In our turmoil, you are our peace. Remind us of that every day. And then, Lord, we continue to pray for those, some of whom we have been praying for for some time, for Ruth and John and Wayne and Joy, Lauren. Tia and Bops, and for those who we simply just bring before you quietly in our hearts, may they know, May they know that we are praying because you're already stirring something in them. May they know your touch because you love them. And then, Lord, we pray for ourselves. You know, you know the things that we whisper to you now, the things that, that we, we, we're not even willing to say aloud. 
you know our deepest needs you know that which we are desperate for that which we hope for dream of pray for we bring all of that to you trusting and knowing that you are good and you are god and so we ask lord that you reach into our lives and do that which only you can do which will transform us bless us enable us touch us lord with your touch again in jesus name amen How many of you enjoy sequels? Movies or books, doesn't matter. You enjoy sequels. You know that most sequels are just terrible. Uh, yeah. Most sequels are just terrible. But there are some that, that are, are supposedly good. I, I went and Googled the top, the top better sequels. They say to me, and I've not watched it, but... The Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again sequel was pretty good. I, I, I didn't watch it. Back to the Future Part 3. 1990. So some of you may remember that. Batman Returns, 1992. Lethal Weapon 2, 1989. Star Wars 6, Return of the Jedi. We'll ask Klaus. He's the definitive Star Wars yeah, so Gene says Star Wars 75. She's watched them all. Uh, the Born Supremacy. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Now, on Thursday night, I quoted from Terminator, I'll be back, as Arnie says. And coincidentally, Terminator 2, Judgment Day, also makes the list of better sequels. But sequels, whether, whether they're books or whether they're movies... Are, are really only good when they keep telling the story in a compelling way, in a way that draws you in and, and, and holds your attention a second time around. Or when it, or and when it, when it develops the, the kind of insight into the character or personalities that, and you kind of know more about them and, and get more into their world or their mind or their thinking. And, and that keeps your interest. Sometimes the, soundtrack to at the start of the movie is is the same as the original i mean star wars they all start off exactly the same you know a long time ago in a galaxy far far away but a, a sequel or a prequel or a spin-off that, that merely takes the character and tells a completely different story often unrelated seldom holds our attention I mean, can you remember Jaws 2? I can't. Or Grease 2? What was that? Or Independence Day 2? I mean, Independence Day 1 we got. This is our Independence Day. I mean, we got that. But the second one I can't remember at all. Now, as I said on Thursday night at our Ascension Day service, I suggested that Jesus' words at his ascension pretty much summed up Arnold Schwarzenegger when he said, I'll be back. 
you know, Arnie is this part human, part kind of machine, broken at the end of exist his existence, and he says, I'll be back. And I guess if we were doing the movie version of Jesus in that kind of style, we'll have Jesus on the cross saying those words. But that's not how God planned it. That's not in his script. The cross and the resurrection was part of God's original salvation story. It's not Jesus' death and then later his resurrection that makes the difference. It's his death and resurrection together that saves us and gives us life. I mean, see all your sins on Jesus laid. Because of him, you are forgiven and set free. Those two things together, death and resurrection. Our sins laid on Christ, him dying in our place and being raised to life, breaking the power of sin and death forever. That saves us and gives us life. And then for 40 days, he, he appears to his friends and his disciples and different people, um, proving that he's alive. Proving that, that Jesus' death and resurrection is true. And that the salvation that God had promised through the ages was possible, had been made possible. But then as we get to day 40 after his resurrection, which we call Ascension Day, there's, there's a hint that there is a sequel in the making. Now you, now you know when, when you watch movies that when you get to the end of particular movies, you know that when they shot the movie they were thinking of the sequel. You know. I mean, everything is pointing to the fact that the hero, you know, ends up in hospital broken and sticking and then the credits come up and you know that, you know, in a year's time you're going to see him, he's going to be fine and and carry on the story. And so when we get to Ascension Day, there's a hint that there's a sequel in the making. So I want you to turn, well, we're going to, we're going to turn to Acts chapter 1 and from verse 1. Act 1 from verse 1. Theophilus, I wrote about Jesus in my earlier book. I wrote about all that he did and taught until the day he was taken up into heaven. Before Jesus left, he gave orders to the apostles he had chosen. He did this through the Holy Spirit. After his suffering and death, he appeared to them, and in many ways he proved that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, and, and during that time he spoke about God's kingdom. One day, Jesus was eating with them, and he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, he said, but wait for the gift my father promised. You've heard me talk about it. John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then the apostles gathered around Jesus and asked him the question, Lord, are you, are you now going to give the kingdom back to Israel? And he said to them, You shouldn't be concerned about the dates and times. The father has set them by his own authority. But you, you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you. And then you will tell the people about me in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria. And, and you will even tell other people about me from one end of the earth to the other. After Jesus said this, he was taken up to heaven. The apostles watched until a cloud hid him from their sight. And while he was going up, they, they kept looking at the sky. And suddenly two men dressed in white clothing stood beside the men of Galilee. They said, why do you stand looking into the sky? Jesus has been taken away from you into heaven, but he will come back. In the same way you saw him go. The apostles returned to Jerusalem from a hill called the Mount of Olives. 
was just over half a mile from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying, and here is a list of those who were there. Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, Judas, the son of James. They all came together regularly to pray. The woman joined them too, so did Jesus' mother and his brothers. So the, the book of Acts kind of starts where the Gospel of Luke ends. It's the same theme song. It's the same credits roll at the end of one and at the beginning of the other. Um, everyone is there. All the same people are gathered together except for one, Judas, uh, who is now dead. It's interesting if you read um, on into Acts, the, just the few verses that follow where we stopped from, uh, Luke seems to tell a, a different story about the death of Judas. Um, in the passage that, that follows in, in Luke 1, um, Luke says that Judas, sorry, in Acts 1, Luke says that Judas fell headlong in the field and his intestines spilled out as a seeming cause to his death. Yet the Gospels tell us that Judas hanged himself. So why is there a contradiction? And sometimes it's helpful just to kind of deal with that stuff because we, people can get caught up on those. So I, the Gospels, I think, tell us the, the, the way that Judas died. He hanged himself. Luke tells the story, and, and remember, Luke's a doctor. So, so Luke tells the story of what, what happened when, when, once Judas was dead. Remember, he hanged himself in a field away from the city and was probably only found maybe a day later, maybe two days later, we don't know, but it's, uh, Israel's a fairly hot place. And so a body hanging in the sun for a while would not have done well. And, and so Luke kind of describes what happens when, when they cut Judas the hunt. Everything popped out. Not a very pretty sight, but Luke's a doctor, so he kind of gets that stuff. And so there's not a contradiction. They're just telling the story from different angles, a different perspective. But everyone's there except for Judas. Every, all, the apostles, all the disciples and followers of Jesus, significant people, are all together. It's, it's the way that, that Luke starts his gospel. As I said, the credits at the beginning of Acts are pretty much the, the claim credits as you find in the book of Luke. Luke 1, many people have attempted to write about these things that have taken place among us. Reports of these things were handed down to us, and they were people who saw these things for themselves from the beginning. They saw them and passed those word on to us. With this in mind, I have carefully looked into everything from the beginning, so I decided to write down an orderly report of exactly what happened. I'm doing this for you, most excellent Theophilus. I want you to know the things that have been taught are true. So, so Luke writes two stories. Well, he writes the story of Jesus, the Gospel of Luke, and then he starts the second story, and he writes to Theophilus again. He said, in my first book, I wrote that about Jesus. Now I'm writing about what happens afterwards. The credits are pretty much the same. The, the soundtrack is pretty much the same. And so Luke ends, Luke 24, 50, when he led them out of the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. They worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple praising God. Acts 
beginning of Acts said, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you heard me speak about. John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Spirit. You will receive power when, he, when the Spirit comes on you. Then you will tell people about me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, and you will even tell other people about me from one end of the world to the other. So although the same soundtrack is playing in the background, the same credits, the same people are present, suddenly it acts. Jesus begins, as I said, there's a hint of a sequel. Jesus begins to point to a different set of characters who are going to be involved in the new story. And so he says, I'm going back to the Father, but don't go and scatter like you've done before. You know, don't do what you did when I, when I died. And, and, and you kind of went back to your old life. Peter goes, takes the whole group and, and, they, and they try and go fishing again. Kind of, you know, it's what they were used to. Don't go back to your old life. Don't scatter because it's not the end. It won't be long. Just stay together. It won't be long. And you will receive the Holy Spirit. The promise. I promise that you will receive the Holy Spirit. It's what, it's what Father God promised from the very beginning. If you read the prophets in the Old Testament, the prophets in Ezekiel and Joel and others, it's the promise of the Spirit. Jesus is not my idea, it's Father God's idea. He's going to send the Holy Spirit on you, I promise. And it comes, the Holy Spirit comes from God. You've heard me speak about it again and again, says Jesus. I didn't come to baptize like my cousin John did. I've come to baptize with the Spirit. Please note, it's interesting that Jesus never baptized anybody with water. Even though at the Ascension story in Matthew 28, that's the Matthew account of the Ascension, Jesus tells us to preach the gospel, tell everybody to bring them into the, the family and to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's interesting, Jesus never baptized anybody. And by the way, even John's baptism, the baptism that John was doing at the time was not Christian baptism. It was Jewish baptism. It wasn't baptism in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It was a baptism of repentance. Turn away from things that are wrong and begin to follow God again. was John's baptism. So Jesus says, I'm not going to baptize anybody with water. I've come to baptize with the Spirit and with fire. Again, there's a there's a kind of hint to the sequel. This is going to be a little different. And it's not just going to be the disciples and followers of Jesus at that time are involved. Those who follow will be involved too. I will come to baptize with spirit and fire, says Jesus. You see, the spirit gives life and the fire purifies, burns up that which is impure and wrong and evil. So when Jesus says, when I baptize you, you will have life by the Spirit, and that which is impure, which is wrong, which is evil, which is bad in you, will be burnt up so that you will be able to live. You have the life, and because that which is impure, you're able to live the life that God gives and live it well. That's why when we read in Galatians of the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, when you fill with the Spirit, it's, it's, a, it's the fruit of a purified life or a, purif a life that is being purified. That's what begins to happen when the Spirit fills us. And so says Jesus, when, 
when you are baptized with the Spirit, you will be filled with the same Spirit who was in Jesus. So now Jesus gives us another insight as to what, what the sequel might be like. John 14, 16 says this, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. The helper is the Spirit of truth. The people of the world can't, cannot accept him because they don't see him and know him, but you know him, he lives in you, and he will be in you. You know the helper, says Jesus. The one who I'm going to ask the Father to send. You know the helper, why? Because you know Jesus. God, Jesus and the Spirit are the same. The same in nature, in character, in purpose. If you know Jesus, you know the Spirit. And so Jesus says, I will ask you another, to ask the Father and he will send another helper to be with you and to be in you, to be alongside you and to be in you. You know who he is. The same Holy Spirit who was in Jesus. If you want to know what the Holy Spirit's going to do in your life and mine, it's what he did in Jesus' life. And when that happens, everything will be different. Nothing will ever be the same again. That's why just before that, Jesus says in John 14, 12, what I'm about to tell you is true. Anyone who believes in me will do the works I've been doing. In fact, they will do even greater things. That's because I'm going to the Father. And then I will ask the Father and he will send another helper who will be with you and in you. Can we get a glimpse? Nothing will ever be the same again. And that those who are going to be involved in the sequel are not just going to be, you know, Peter and John, James. But it's going to be you. And you. And you and me. We are the ones whom the Holy Spirit is going to fill and enable to do the things even more than Jesus did, even greater than Jesus did. Why? Because the same Holy Spirit who has seen Jesus is the same Holy Spirit who is given promise for you and for me. Nothing will ever be the same again. You see, the sequel is going to be bigger and better than the original. Not because the story of Jesus is diminished, but simply because there are so many more involved in the story and so many more places involved in the story. You become the star in the story. Well, God is the star. I guess the image breaks down a bit. But, but you, you're going to be one of the key persons, key actors in the new story. And the story promises to be way more exciting and way more compelling than the original because you and I get to be part of it. However, there's one thing that Jesus says to his disciples before he goes. And he tells them, as he's preparing to go back to the Father, he tells them to wait. Just hang on. Wait, it's going to happen. Just, just wait. It, it's going to happen. And don't go back to your old life. Don't go back to the way that you used to live. You've given your life to Jesus. Don't go back to that old messed up life. There's more to come. Wait for it. God has promised it. 
wait for it because I'm going to ask the Father and, and he will send the Holy Spirit to be with you and to be in you. Wait. But don't wait like, you know, sitting on your hands like you're waiting for the government to deliver some food parcel because that's not the way. Don't, don't, don't just wait kind of, you know, something will happen. Do something while you wait. Jesus tells his disciples to pray. Pray together. Read scripture. And I want to encourage you this week as we move towards Pentecost next Sunday, read the first five chapters of Acts, even if you just read half a chapter a day. Just read the first five chapters of Acts as we prepare to move to Pentecost next Sunday. It's a really cool story because it will hold your attention. Pray, read scripture. Remember who God is. Remember that he's good and that he's God and that a good father will always give good gifts to his children. Say it over and over again. You know, you are God. I trust you because I trust you and because you're good. I know that you will bless me. Read scripture, pray, remember who God is, and then wait expectantly. Expect God to do something in your life this week, and particularly next Sunday. You know, it's, it's like when you're, you're getting closer to your birthday, and, and, and maybe your kids have promised you, or your parents have promised you something kind of really cool for your birthday, and, and you're getting closer, and you can't wait, and you can't wait, and it's really exciting, and you know something cool is going to happen. That's the kind of expectation that Jesus stirs up and his friends. Wait, I promise the Spirit is coming. Wait, I will ask the Father and he will send. Know that it's going to happen. Because next Sunday we go to Acts chapter 2. The coming and the pouring out of the Spirit that first Pentecost Sunday in that upper room where, where Jesus' followers were, were praying and reading scripture and remembering God's goodness and waiting expectantly. Next Sunday we celebrate that the promise of the Father actually happened. That Jesus' request, Jesus' prayer to the Father or request to the Father to, to send the Spirit upon us actually happened. Where Jesus' prayer for you and me is, Lord, fill them. Put your spirit in them. And so I want, to, I want to close today with a prayer that Jesus prayed for his friends, not at his ascension, but at the Last Supper. And, and, and that prayer, you kind of begin to get that, that God's had the sequel in mind all along. That Jesus knew that there was something bigger coming, something better just around the corner. I also worship team to join me. I'm going to invite you just to close your eyes and to just to hear Jesus pray for you. Father, I have shown you to the disciples you gave me out of the world. 
They were yours. You gave them to me. And they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you, Father. Father, I gave them the words you have given me. And they accepted me. They knew for certain that I came from you. They believed that you sent me. And now I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world. I'm praying for those you have given me because they are yours. All I have is yours and all you have is mine. Glory has come to me because of my disciples. I will not remain in the world any longer, but they are still in the world, and I'm coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them safe by the power of your name. It's the name you gave me. Keep them safe so that they can be one, just as you and I are one. Thank you, Lord, for your prayer for us. May we, may we know deep, deep within our spirits that we belong to you. That you created us. You loved us. Lord Jesus, you died on the cross for us. And when Father God raised you from the dead, you broke the power of sin and evil that would hold us. We are free and forgiven. May we know in this moment, however, that that was not the end. That your plan is always that we be filled with the Spirit that was in you, the Holy Spirit. That we would be filled with your Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and be able to live a life that, that changes the world around us. That your plan would always be for us to be key players, actors in what you did next. And so, Lord, as we meet 2,000 years later, as we celebrate your death and resurrection, may we also celebrate in this week and anticipate in this week the coming of your Spirit to enable us to live every day not in our own strength and power, but in yours. So Lord, fill us with anticipation. May we remember your goodness and that you are good all the time. May the scripture that we read remind us that you call us, you, you, you created us to be the women and men that you would use in your story in our world. And may we every day begin the day, Lord, fill us today with your Spirit, fill me today with your Spirit, so that I may be the person you created me to be. And then you, pr you prayed, Lord, that we would be one, together, united, united in you, 
united in your spirit. And that's our prayer for today and this week. May we be united in our words and actions because you love us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.